Growers are anxiously looking out at wet fields, hoping for better weather to come. Winter crops have greened up on many farms and management is needed in many of these fields. Oilstrape is probably the one crop that is looking quite good at the moment. But the first thing I, I suppose people should actually do is go out and do a, a, a canopy management. So you do a GI assessment on that. So uh, you go out with your mobile phone, download the app from BESF and go out do your canopy management. And based on that, then you can decide then how much nitrogen you need. You're listening to the latest episode of The Tillage Age with me, Michael Hennessy. We'd really appreciate it if you could listen, follow and give us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. There are some tough decisions which may need to be taken on many farms in the coming weeks with regard to poor or patchy crops. I'm delighted to be joined today by Shay Phelan and Kieran Collins, who are both tillage specialists in Chagas, to chat about the management of these crops, but also the management of good crops on farms. Shay, we do have a lot of good and also patchy and maybe very poor crops around the country. But you might maybe first give us a little bit of a view of the survey that we carried out over the Christmas time and just to see how things were looking then in comparison to now. There's huge variation. I suppose that's the best way to to put in terms of the overall uh, area planted and what's planted and what looks well and what doesn't look well. And I suppose you're right, that survey does kind of feed into a lot of that. Like if you take it, um, it's dominated by plough-based systems. So, you know, I think out of the 400 or odd or 470 odd replies that we had, um, about um, about 250 of those were, were plough-based systems and everything else was a mixture of plough-based min-till and direct drill and direct drill being the smallest kind of, and that's no surprise really. But I suppose what is interesting is that um, the plough-based system in terms of percentage planted, only a little over a half of them had, less than 60% of them had, had um, and planted up what they what they wanted to plant, the min tail and the direct drill probably that little bit ahead, um, and the mix with plough then as well probably a little bit ahead as well, and that's basically because they're they're going earlier, so they're planting that little bit earlier, and you know again I suppose if you think about last September and October, um, they were far from ideal in terms of min tail, um, so a lot of people who would have opted or hoping to go to min tail probably all the way up to maybe the middle of October, a lot of those fellas had to actually go and plough. Um, so they had a mix of plough and mintail. So they ended up getting a lot more land in. And what, um, what Jay, just in terms of that, was there, was there any differential in terms of, I suppose what people are probably really wondering at the moment in terms of what were people saying then in terms of, I'm going to need, need to replant some of this ground. What were they saying? There's probably there's probably in that there's a mixture of of the different systems and the different regions. So if you look at the area to be replanted, uh, probably down south, uh, probably the min till systems were 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 areas that were most had to be replanted. So say if we take cork and water for argument's sake, about fifteen percent of the min till of the mix in the min till and plough have to be replanted. They reckon, uh, and in the northeast, probably somewhere close to twenty five percent. Of the of the min till and plough systems had to be replanted. Of the plough based systems, you're probably looking at somewhere between five and fifteen percent of those areas have to be replanted. And say the direct drill or the min till based ones, somewhere between ten and about fifteen percent. So it kind of alludes to the fact that some people might have got caught between systems and they were going min till, and probably then re- decided right, listen, the conditions aren't good enough. I'm going into plough and min till, and that seemed to be the worst case scenario for a lot of these lot of these farms that they seem to get caught um, in some of that that weather and that poor conditions. 
The, the weather probably didn't help afterwards. Yeah, it might have, been, yeah. might have been reasonable or maybe only just okay at the time, but the weather afterwards didn't didn't come and through. And I think that's the crucial point, Michael. I think it's the weather, the five or 10 days after they were established. I think that's what really, really um, was the problem this year in that we tend to get a deluge of rain at certain times after those kind of very short windows of planting. So you might have got 40, 50, 60 mil of rain within the space of a day or two on top of what was already uh, poor or waterlogged conditions. So that's probably the main reason why crops are the way they are at the moment. And, and Jay, we're probably, I don't know, the guts of maybe six six or eight weeks out from that um, survey and uh, you know there's a little bit of growth out there at the moment. Do you think that has changed, do you think, on the ground? Has it got worse, better, do you think, in terms of people's um view of some of those crops that are looking good or not looking so good well i think what's happened is those crops have grown on um what's there so we're now very clear on what's what's out there what's not out there to, to the most part and last week we would have been at a series both myself and kieran would have been at a series of farm walks um and in oak park here i suppose there was kind of an acceptance that yeah there are patches out there but Oak Park and the area around Carlow is probably not the most affected area. I was in the northeast in Dublin on Friday, and certainly up there, it was a big topic. And, you know, I think, I suppose a lot of people are kind of looking at crops there now, and it's very difficult to give advice to a lot of farmers because some of those crops, the patches, there's very few areas where it's complete areas gone out of them. There's patches here, there. I think a lot of people looking at those winter crops probably will stick with them especially given that the department's uh, announcement last week whereby they're not going to penalise people for for not having areas with, with full crops in them, albeit there probably will be agri-snap photographs have to be taken on some, okay, on some crops. But I think most people will probably stick with them. That's my initial um, initial thought on what, what we're hearing on the ground last week. Okay. And Kieran, down south with you and, and, and your area down there, is it is it something similar or... Or was there just not that many planted in the first place? Uh, yeah, it depends where you go. You have the good, the bad, and the ugly, I suppose, Michael. Like Shay said, you know, there's 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 big variation out there, I suppose. Um, from the crop walks last week, I suppose, you know, in Wexford in particular, particularly South Wexford, which would traditionally be a good winter cereal area, there was very, very little done, you know, and they get then the same problems of some of the stuff that was sown will need to be replanted. Um, and then, say, down in Kildalton and, and down in Moore Park, you know, kind of similar story, maybe a little bit more done further south in, 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 in that case. But like Shay said, I mean, an awful lot of the topic. At, you know the questions at those meetings was around the threshold for replanting and you know I suppose the economics around it as well you know and then we also have to build in the um, you know spring cereal seed potential scarcity there as well you know so there's a lot, a lot of factors there but look overall Michael I think there's certainly I think there is a certain amount that will need to be replanted that, that are just bare fields I think it might be a little bit less than we thought at the same time you know, and I suppose another factor is February has come wet. You know, if you compare February this year with February last year, we've had no planting opportun opportunities really. You know, so I think you know there would have been people saying, "Look, I might stick in a bit of winter wheat seed that I have in the shade." Look, that 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 time is running out rapidly at this stage. So I suppose that's just maybe impacting on those replanting decisions a bit as well. You know. And just on that point, I suppose maybe a lot of people who had some of those patchy crops might have been thinking about stitching in, um, say, on winter wheat, stitching in another bit of seed into 
the acre that was lost in the corner or that kind of stuff if the weather came right that's obviously not going to happen now because fields are extremely wet especially in stuff that might have been cultivated already so it's going to be a while before that piece of ground dries out in terms of 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 that then Kieran, is it is it spring barley is the kind of option there or is it fallows the best option there for for some of those areas I think there's a number of options. I mean, if the areas are, are relatively small, I think at this stage, given the workload that's ahead of growers, and I think that's something we, we you know, we have to be very conscious of, you know, no spring crops gone in. We've obviously, as Shea said earlier, they are reduced area sown in the autumn. So there's a mountain of work ahead of growers, like, and I don't think growers are, I suppose they're going to, the feedback from the meetings is they're going to prioritise, you know, get the big jobs done, get the spring barley in, the malting barley, get the beans in, those kind of crops. Dispatching, I think, you know, given, as Shea said there, that there's the opportunity to leave it as fallow, I think a lot of growers will will take that option, you know, or certainly at least get the beans, get the spring barley, get those crops in, and then maybe come back when those jobs are done, and make a reassessment of some of those patches because I suppose we have seen before, you know, once growth takes off, especially with likes of wheat, you know, you can have a few more plants than you maybe thought you had originally. They've started to grow and, you know, they might start to tiller out and they mightn't be the same requirement to resow as you kind of thought maybe earlier in the time, you know. And I've certainly seen that before, Kieran, where you had finished crops that um, a, a plant that might ordinarily give you maybe three tillers or maybe two and a half tillers will will all of a sudden give you six and and you have a very big uh very few plants turns into a reasonably good crop when it's all said and done especially in wheat yeah, yeah absolutely you know and, and, and i mean we were talking about that last week i mean we, we were in crops that maybe at 60 70 80 plants per square meter and you know you can work with that like once you have some level of an ease even distribution around the fields you know just on that i mean one of the top one of the issues that was discussed up up the northeast was you know you saw your best ground first so typically where these patches are missing are maybe areas where there's water lying maybe broken drains so what people were saying in the northeast really was they were going to sow their as kieran rightly said sow their spring crops first in the fields that they had allocated for those and then come back and assess the the, the winter crops that needed to be sorted out and the areas that need to be sorted out and see is it viable to sow them at that stage you know okay so prioritize those and maybe Switching back a little bit, Shay, looking at some of the um, some of the good crops that are out there, because in fairness, it's not all bad crops either. There are some good crops. And and to me, at least anyway, looking around the country, they've greened up quite a lot over the past couple of weeks, three weeks, maybe. Um, and we probably should be maybe start thinking about looking at some of the management decisions around those. And maybe if we start um, with oilseed rape, which is probably looking a bit prouder now than, than has. And it's. I was only in a crop um, there uh, over the weekend and, and it's um, well into stem extension at this stage and you can see green buds on it, you know, so, so it's starting to move on. But um, is there a need to get fertilizer out on that as soon as you can when it allows? Or Well, I suppose, yeah, you're right, Michael, in that oil strip is probably the one crop be that was sown probably last, last August that is looking quite good at the moment. Um, but the first thing I, I suppose people should actually do is go out and do a, a, a canopy management. So you do a GI assessment on that. So uh, you go out with your mobile phone, download the app from from the from BESF, and go out and do your do your canopy management. And based on that, then you can decide then how much nitrogen you need. Well, I've done a couple here now, and most of them, to be honest with you, are well in excess of one GAI. So to be to be honest with those, I wouldn't be in a mad hurry to go out with nitrogen on those. 
I'd be inclined to wait until sometime in early March and and go then. Um, and maybe go with a split of something like 50 kilos of nitrogen kind of in early March, uh, depending on uh, depending on what GI is there at the time uh, and then top up the rest of it all the way through um, and going up to probably somewhere around 200 kilos of nitrogen on those crops really whereas if you have if you're unlucky enough um, where you have pigeons grazing and you're down below one you probably need to be going on whenever ground conditions allow you probably next week with 60 maybe 70 kilos of nitrogen kind of late February that late February first week of March bearing in mind next week is the last week of February and first of March is next Friday, so um, you know you kind of need to tailor your 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 nitrogen requirements to to what crop is in front of you there to start off with. The other thing that I was coming look looking at as well is uh, the whole area of 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 disease, uh, and there's probably a likely spot in a lot of crops out there, especially since they didn't get a fungicide before Christmas. Now that said, some of the newer varieties, depending on the variety that you have do have likely spot resistance. So, but in any way, you probably should be out there taking a sample of leaves, putting it into a plastic bag and putting it into a hot press for 24, 48 hours. And if you see those sort like lesions on it, then you need to go and put a put a fungicide or something like protiaconazole or proline or something like that. On any, half any, any results, um, Shay, from uh, from Oak Park in terms of that? Haven't done. We don't have oil to drape in Oak Park at the moment, uh, Michael, just the way the rotations are at the moment. So I'm going to have to actually go and do it over the weekend and try and get some for next week. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Moving on then, um, Kieran, uh, winter barley, uh, again, that th- that's starting to look a bit prouder in, in the field, certainly around us up here, around Carlow direction. It's looking very green in spots. Um, you might have even been expected to see a little bit of that kind of uh, yellow one off, really, but only in the lightest fields that I've seen that. How How is it looking then with she? and is there any need to be going near winter barley just yet? Um, it depends on the crop, but certainly I think soil temperatures are, are a little bit up and we've certainly seen, obviously, that mineralization of that soil nitrogen and crops have definitely greened up. You know, it's quite obvious going around the country and again, at the crop walks, you could you could see that little bit of growth coming into them, you know, so which is a good sign. Um, again, I suppose the, in terms of the first nitrogen for those good crops, you know, where there's a good shoot count. You know, there's no great panic. I mean, you're talking about, look, I suppose getting in early March, really, with in around that kind of 50-odd units uh, of nitrogen. Um, again, I suppose the compound, if there's a compound to go out, will will we'll dictate a little bit there. But you'll be targeting in, in around 50 units of nitrogen. I think for some of those early, or sorry, those maybe more backward crops, you, you, you could make a case for getting in a little bit earlier, you know. Um you know, so again, now I suppose the one thing to watch if you are going in earlier on some of the backward crops, um, maybe not to overdo the nitrogen. And I think uh, something that growers have done in the past, which isn't a bad plan, is to even split that first nitrogen. You know, so if you're doing, say, four bags of a compound, go with two and then follow up with two, you know, look, at it's an extra pass. You know, but look, if you can do it in terms of environmental perspective and, and nitrogen losses, it's a good thing to do because demand is very low. You know, oh, li- little and um, often is what you're saying, is it? Little and often, yeah, little and often, okay. absolutely. So I think. That's and the... in in terms, Kieran, of uh, disease control or or, or growth regulator control, is there anything needed in the next couple of weeks in those crops? Not at the moment, no. Disease, the one standout from, and especially in Ballyd Round, looking at some of the varieties there, very little disease in crops at the moment, which is a bit surprising given, I suppose, the type of weather we've had. But to be fair, I think disease levels are low, and I could say the same for rape. I've kind of hotboxed a few. 
maybe five, what five or six odd crops at this stage and and haven't found found anything yet you know so disease levels are low but you would be obviously keeping an eye especially like a, a cassia there you know but uh, but no urgency no urgency it's hardly the case Karen. it was just too wet for anything to get going was it Possibly, I, yeah, possibly, <laughs> you know, but look, um, you know, uh, we will see disease in those crops. So you, you certainly have to have to keep it in mind. OK, winter wheat shade generally do, that, that it always come in terms of management a little bit later than winter barley. There's is there any panic at all going into those crops? For most part, no, Michael, I suppose really where you're looking at, as Kieran says, you kind of go with your winter barley first and you come back and look at winter wheat um, after that, probably in early March. Um, Richie Hackett would have done trials here in Oak Park and really he's saying that, you know, bef- anytime after kind of early March is really when you go in with the first split of nitrogen on, on, on winter wheat. Now, that said, I mean, some of those backward crops, again, something similar to what Kieran is saying, you might think of splitting that first application of a compound. So if you're going with four bags, maybe you've got two bags and then another two bags a, a week or two after that, just to kind of kickstart that growth when growth comes. Now, that said... I mean, next week is supposed to be brutally or very cold, so that's not going to facilitate a lot of growth. So you really kind of want growth there first before you before you do anything like that. And the reason I'm kind of thinking of that kind of early spin of nitrogen is to try and come in with a bit of cycocell or something like that afterwards to try and get some of those weaker crops tillering uh, and get them to tiller up. So, But again, you need growth for that. So there's not much point in doing anything at all on wheat until we get a, a kind of better temperatures than what we're seeing probably coming at us next week. Okay, and and Shay, winter oats is probably very little sown out there at the moment. But is there any immediate management uh, needed on those? No, and there's, you're right, Michael. There's very little oats sown, but what is sown certainly around here looks looks quite well, looks surprisingly well. Um, and a lot of those oat crops are actually sown quite late. So I certainly know of a few crops around the Athai and Carlow area that were sown probably um, first week of November. There was a kind of a, a temp or a window there of about maybe a week or 10 days and they were sown around then. So those crops now are really only kind of playing catch up yet. So really and truly, I'd be inclined to leave those crops for another for another fortnight or three weeks before I do anything with them, to be honest with you. Here, obviously, it's a little bit um, it's a bit too wet to do anything really on the ground, but obviously planning can can start. If uh, somebody had a bit of ground that was kind of ready to go next week, would it be too early to start at beans? Nope. Um, so I'd say I'd be prioritising sowing beans, really. Um, you know, we've seen and from our own work in Chagas, you know, those earlier sowing crops certainly have a have a benefit, you know. So I, I, I'd prioritize beans, really. I think if you can get them in end of February, early March, I think is ideal, you know, certainly ideally before mid-March, you know. So that would be that would certainly be the priority for me. Um, look, sowing method, I suppose, as time moves on, you tend to look at sowing them a little bit shallower. Uh, crows tend not to be the same issue as certainly as you push into March, so that'd be just something to to take note of as well. Um, and then their seed rate. Um, again, work from Oak Park here would suggest that twenty uh, the ideal plant establishment rate is to have about you know twenty five thirty plants. Um, now that can increase a little bit if sowing gets later. Certainly, if you're running well into March there. 
or if you're in lighter soils, there's an argument maybe for slightly higher seed rates. But look, in general, establishing 2025 plants would be the target. So you might have to sow, you might have to sow 40 seeds to to do that. You know, and um, give or take here, and what would that be? 200 kilos of seed per hectare. It would. It would. In all money, you'd be talking about 13 plus stone. Yeah, I was looking at thousand grain weights there the other day, and there was link seed. It was all over 600. You know. So okay. it's really important to have a look at the bag, you know. So you're you're certainly over two hundred kgs per hectare there, Michael, for 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 most seed, I would think. Okay, and and I suppose maybe when you're buying the seed, you should be thinking about herbicides as well in terms of uh, the all, it's all pretty much a pre-emerge type scenario. Absolutely, yeah. That's it's the only option, you know. I, I when you make the decision to to buy the seed, as you correctly say, look buy the herbicide as well <clears throat> and be set up to to put it out straight away. Look, if you're sowing them deep, you have obviously a little bit more time to do it, but you know if you miss that. You know, pre-M uh, window, you're you're really down to grass weed control after that. You know, and and beans aren't very competitive, so you just have to get it done, get it done pre-M, really. Yeah. Okay, Jay, just the last one for you, and we could be driving everybody a little bit mad now asking you this question, but I'm going to ask you it anyway. Obviously, the ground is a little bit wet at the minute. Well, it's a lot wet at the moment, um, but. Look, people will be anxious and keen to kind of get on and 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 um, get some little bit of work done. Um, in terms of burning off some of the stubbles, of which there's there's some are reasonable, but maybe not everything is not a huge amount of stubble, maybe a, a huge amount of green cover on an awful lot of stubble. Is it important to burn off stubble in in situations, or can you plow it down if it's not that big, or what you're thinking of? Yeah, Michael, at the, with the risk of driving everybody mad, you said, I know we, we at home we sprayed off some stubble there at the week, on, on Monday or Tuesday when, when the ground was dry. So it's kind of really kind of going to maybe drive people mad. But anyway, um, you're right. I mean, it, it's a case, I suppose, looking at field by field uh, and seeing what's there in front of you. Some In some cases where you have, you know, maybe not a whole lot of cover there, um, given the winter that we've had there's a risk there's a chance you can get away without plowing or without um glyphosate at all but i suppose where you really want to look and see if you have problem weeds like the likes of wild oats the likes of volunteer cereals um and maybe some other problem weeds that you might have grass weeds and things like that certainly in the case like that you really do need to you really need to burn off with glyphosate um and i suppose you really want to be using um, and we've seen research here that you really need to be using in those situations decent rates of glyphosate. So you're looking at you know 750 to 1,000 grams of, of active per hectare, um, depending on which uh, variety of or which or which strength of of brand of of glyphosate you're using. Then that'll determine how many liters per hectare you use. But I suppose just just to be careful of it there as well. That I mean, last year we would have seen whereby there was a lot of volunteers on crops and that might ne not necessarily be the case this year, but certainly we did see direct transfer from, from one crop to another in terms of aphids and BYDV. And we would have seen definitely two, if not three cases here locally in Carlow, whereby um, in mintill situations, people didn't get to burn off crops early enough and the aphids were able to walk straight across from the old decaying plant onto the new crop, even before it came above the ground and infect that crop. So that's just something to be careful of. We normally kind of say anything from six to eight weeks of a burn off and um, before you before you drill the next crop. That probably won't happen this year unless we get a very wet March. So it's just something to be very, very careful of um, over the next week or so. So I would be inclined to burn them off. And uh, in terms of plowing, um I've seen guys plow uh, lately in the last week or ten days. To be honest with you, they'd be better off stay at home in bed. Um, some of that ploughing was was pretty rough now, to be fair. So I'd be inclined to say to people, if you're not going to use glyphosate and you're going to burn off, 
I'm not going to burn off. I'm going to plow directly. Leave your land there and dry as much as you possibly can and try and plow as best you possibly can to kill all those weeds because otherwise they're just going to come up. Now, it's fine if you're going into cereals, but if you're going into crops like beans or somewhere like that, where, as Kieran's mentioned, the options for weed control are, are fairly limited, uh, your plowing is your probably your best source of 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 that early weed control. So you need to make sure the plowing is good before you before you sow beans or anything like briefly, that. Briefly, Shay, just the, the last question. In terms of burn off using glyphosate this time of the year, does it matter necessarily on the week you're applying it that the growthy conditions might be wonderful, as in you kind of said earlier there, that um, next week could be dry but cold? Hopefully it will be dry and cold. It will be dry at least. I think we said it, you mentioned it's going to be cold. Does it matter if it's a bit cold, like I say, it's going on? Well, ideally you'd like it to be warm, but if it's not and there's growth there at all, the, the plant will take up the roundup. Um, but you just need to look at your time. You need to, if there's frost in the morning, you're obviously not going to spray in the frost. So you're waiting until middle of the afternoon until temperatures get up to four or five degrees and then you can spray away at that stage then. Um, but the other thing you just need to be careful when you have frost like that, Michael, land tends to be wet, the leaves tend to be wet and you tend not to get as good of activity or very slow activity of your glyphosate when leaves are wet. So you need to just bear in mind those couple of uh, um, issues that are there when you're trying to sp- spray them off at that time. Isn't Shay? Thanks very much, and Kieran as well. Thank you very much for uh, for coming on and giving that um, that amount of advice for for starting out. I know we haven't started just yet, but look, lads, as soon as we're back into, uh, I suppose the, the cut and trust of the agronomy itself, we'll, we'll have you back on for for a bit more expertise again. Thanks very much. No problem, no, Michael. So that's it for this episode. And my thanks to Shay and Kieran for joining me on the podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and follow on Apple or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.